What's up, baby girl, and welcome back. Welcome back to Dead by Danny. Okay? The only podcast. It's the only one. The only podcast. You are only listening to this podcast because it's the only one. There's There's none other podcast you can listen to. But more specifically, it is the only podcast in which an individual named Daniel who goes by the name Danny, okay, watches Evil Dead 2 every single day and talks about it on the podcast for 30 days. Why, you ask? Uh, Because quarantine. (laughs) I had nothing better to do, and I was going to be watching Evil Dead 2 all the time anyway, so why not make a chore out of it, you know? And uh, a couple episodes ago, I addressed the fact that there are a shit ton, a lot of Evil Dead comics. And the one that piqued my interest in particular was a comic book called uh, Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash. Uh, I don't know why. I just saw that and I was like, I'm going to read that. Now, there's a bit of a problem. So in that podcast i also said that i would dedicate episodes to these comic books and i fully intended to do that until i started reading freddy versus jason versus ash and uh i realized that it's kind of boring so i kind of stopped reading it but uh what revitalized my interest in these evil dead spin-off comics was that there's a whole line of comics that spin off just evil dead 2 they're called Evil Dead 2, and then there's a subtitle. They are produced or published by Space Goat Publishing, and they are damn near impossible to find online. And why is that? That's because Space Goat Publishing uh, raised a bunch of money for their company to produce an Evil Dead comic book series and board game for Evil Dead and the Terminator, and then they ran away with the money and shut down. So the only way to read these Evil Dead books are through piracy. And I typically don't endorse piracy, but in this case in particular, I think it's all right. I I think if you're going to read the Evil Dead 2 comics by a company who stole a bunch of money, I feel like that company doesn't deserve your money. I'm just... That's just a thought, though. That's just what I'm thinking. And, uh... These these series are are like limited mini series, I guess. Uh, the the series in particular that I'm talking about today is called Evil Dead Two Beyond Dead by Dawn, which takes place literally immediately after the Evil Dead Two film ends, which is perfect for me, you know, because I'm gonna be watching this movie for the next ten days. So if I did. If I watch Evil Dead 2 and then immediately go over and read this comic, it's like going right one one right into the other, you know? <laughs> so I guess that's what I did. And if we're going to talk about this comic, we're talking about the sequel to Evil Dead 2. So that means we got to hit groovy time right up top. Groovy. Today, I wasn't... I wasn't just pleased to see Groovy Time in the film. And for some reason, I was in a particularly good mood today. 
although things in my personal life might be a little iffy and a little hectic, I was, for some reason, in a good mood when I wanted to watch Evil Dead 2 today. And for that reason, I just got really into it. Got up some snacks, sat down in front of the television, popped the VHS copy in for the first time in a while, and just enjoyed myself. And I think it was because I started reading this comic book yesterday, and I started to really like it. So I started to get really back into the universe of Evil Dead 2, which is, I know, shocking considering I've been subjecting myself to this film every single day. And considering the tone of the way I speak about this film has changed significantly as the days have gone on. But that being said, um, yes, this is called Beyond Dead by Dawn. This series follows Annie Noby, okay, not Ash, Annie, after she dies and goes to hell. And, and that's essentially the premise. It picks up right after the the movie left off and it hits the ground running and when i got to the groovy time scene in the film today i i i did enjoy myself i i was laughing i was i was really getting into it today for some reason i might just be going crazy and then i'm just succumbing to the the literal insanity like the literal definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result which is essentially what this podcast is. This podcast is insanity. And I don't know how it's taken me 21 episodes to think of that. You know? <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Um, and then, to my, to my pleasure, I find that in the first issue of Evil Dead 2 Beyond Dead by Dawn, <laughs> Evil Dead 2 Beyond Dead by Danny... That would be a good spin-off podcast for this. I might do that. I might. <laughs> don't uh don't don't tempt me. But uh what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, they, they recreate the groovy time scene. And I took a screenshot of that and I thought it was great. And and reading it in the comic made me just happy because I don't whenever I see groovy referenced outside of while I'm watching Evil Dead 2. For some reason, now it makes me more excited than when I actually watched the scene in Evil Dead 2. But I guess I should just start talking about what this comic is about. You know, this comic is... I already said the synopsis of it, so I don't really have to say that. But it's written by writer Frank Hanna and penned and, 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 and drawn by Edgar Salazar. Okay? And, and I think, who's the colorist? I, I feel like I should, I should, I should find that out. Well, actually, Edgar, he, Salazar only does the first issue. I noticed that. He did the, he does the first issue and then it changes. So Frank Hanna is still the writer, but the artists, apparently two gentlemen, Barnaby Bagenda and Oscar Bazolda. And the colors are by Chris Summers. Uh, the colors are also different in the first issue. I, I, I find it weird when comic books do this, when they, they do different artists and all that shit for all the different things. But Chris Summers did the colors for the first issue. 
I don't know if that's the same person. I didn't really register. My brain's a little cuckoo papa right now. Yeah, it's the same person. Um, no, wait. Did I just read the wrong thing? Yeah, I did read the wrong thing. No, no, I read the right comic book, but I read the wrong... Uh, I read the wrong credits. So for the rest of the comic book series, the first issue was done by those two artists. But the remainder of the issues were done by Oscar Bazolda, Bazoldua by himself, and Chris Summers is doing the colors again. An odd thing about the art in this is that I think it's well-drawn, and I really like the art style, but I had a problem with the first issue. The colors in the first issue were just so early 2000s shading, you know? That smooth digital shading that a lot of comic books started doing in the early 2000s. But for the rest of the comic, it, it becomes a, a lot more modern-looking, a lot more clean and and I, I really did like the art style in this book. That, that's one thing I, I did particularly enjoy about this comic book. I also particularly enjoyed the, the characterization of Annie because I noticed something. Considering I, I, watched, I, I read the first issue of this before watching the movie and then finished the series after watching the movie, I noticed that Annie Noby, uh, she gets a considerate amount of actual character work in this comic book something that is not uh not empty or not missing from the film but different you know because annie is the main character and she's the character we experience the story from her point of view we see we listen to her thought bubbles on every single page okay every single page is just uh inner monologue essentially but it is not it's not like insufferable inner monologue. Sometimes in comic books, that can be a very annoying thing. But in this case, she's kind of narrating like how she feels about certain things, which is fitting considering it takes place in hell. And a lot of the things she's experiencing would be supernatural and different to uh, what what we would just be able to read. You know, like at one point she falls from an extremely high height and lands on her on her ass pretty much and doesn't feel pain and she kind of describes a lot of these things and we get an insight into her character through her thought bubbles in an interesting way you know in a way that doesn't come across obnoxious another thing i noticed is that the way they draw her in this series uh they give her real real big boobs you know and real tight yellow shirt they, they really go full comic book in it. It's not something you immediately notice, but it, once you start looking at the drawings and stuff, you start to realize, wow, they really, they really played with these proportions, didn't they? And I looked up a picture of regular Aninobi while I was finishing the, the series because I, I, I like stopped, like my brain had like a little bit of a disconnect because... When I watched the movie, I was like, hey, it's Annie. I guess they really did get her costume correct, right? Because she wears the same costume in the comic. But then as I was reading the rest of the comic, I was like, hold on a second. Why is, why does she have massive breasts in this? And then I remembered, oh, it's a comic book. <laughs> it's obligatory, you know? It's, it's, it has to have massive breasts. So for the first issue of this story. It's just Annie. And she discovers that while in hell, she has something of a dominion over the demons there, as long as she wields the Kandarian dagger, because she can kill them and she can harm them. And as she kills them, uh, 
uh, she collects the the Candarian dagger keeps collecting and collecting power and souls and all this shit to the point where it's been dormant for so long up in the mortal world that whilst in hell it has immense power and I found that to be an interesting new concept that hasn't been present in uh, in Evil Dead thus far I'm sorry I keep making noise with this I'm holding a tennis racket for some reason following that uh, she in order to uh to you know, because two heads are better than one. In order to make a a a buddy to follow her around, she opens up the Necronomicon, and she essentially creates what's called a simulacrum. Simulacrum, simulacrum, simulacrum. I don't know, dude. <laughs> of ash from his severed hand, because the cabin went down to hell with her. So that means Ash's right hand is down there too. So what she does is she gives some of her own blood and says a bunch of incantations from the book and essentially creates a whole nother Ash from his right hand and one with two hands and one without a soul because technically he's a demon, right? Because his hand was a demon. So that's an interesting turn of events that the way they introduce Ash into the series because technically the real Ash He's in the 13th century at this point. But, uh, but yeah, he, th- this is how they introduce Ash into it. And it's a different Ash, but he's still the same Ash, you know? It's, it's technically not the Ash that went to uh, Army of Darkness. He does quip and talk like the Ash from Army of Darkness, but he only has the memories of Ash right up until he got his hand bitten. And he again, he has two hands. Uh, interesting enough, they don't uh, write him like the Ash from Evil Dead 2 because Ash from Evil Dead 2 isn't like the quipping moron that he becomes in the next film, which I think is fine. I think it's just because the funny, dumbass Ash is a lot more uh, relatable and recognizable. But anyway, from there, Annie informs this clone version of Ash that he is a clone and catches him up on the memories, basically telling him, listen, I just made you from your own right hand, and we're in hell, and I need your help to get to uh, this this being called Rabisu, this like massive soul-eating demon, and get my parents' souls out of there. Because, you know, while she's in hell... Might as well get her parents out of there and into safety or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> and all these souls are, are getting... Every time she stabs somebody with the the Kandarian dagger, she's like sw- get, uh, getting their soul trapped in it. Uh, they eventually stumble across a portal, like a portal to the outside, basically, and come to the conclusion that Basically, they have to get the blood of a virgin and and say the incantation and get through the portal. So Annie stays behind to focus on that. Ash, with the Kandarian dagger, goes off to try and find her parents and Rabisu and all that shit. So he goes off and kills like a massive general demon who was like leading all the other little demons. He just kills them. 
So all the other demons who look at him, he, he has no soul, so they think he's a demon as well. <laughs> they, they revere him as a leader. So he's like, take me to the one they call Rabisu. And they do. They, like, carry him on this massive throne, and he's having a great time. Meanwhile, back, uh, Annie is, is, like, interrogating bodies that are falling from the sky, asking, like, checking to see if they're a virgin. She sees one woman. She's like, yeah, you're definitely not a virgin. <laughs> she sees, like, a, a rock star that she likes, and she's like, she's like, ah, oh, you're not right for this. And he's like, why? Is it because I sold my soul? And she's like, no, because you're definitely not a virgin. By the way, I really liked your last album. <laughs> Yeah, like little little jokes like that. I, I will give it to this this comic book. It is very cleverly written, and one of the best things about it is like the banter between this version of Ash and this version of Annie, because technically this version of Ash is connected to Annie through blood somehow, and they reveal that because it's quote unquote that time of the month for Annie, they're both feeling crabby and and short tempered and everything. Which I don't know how I felt about that. I thought that was fucking weird. <laughs> but I digress. Um, but yeah, he it, Ash comes face to face with this massive green demon monster whose stomach is like bursting with souls, you know, and and he he just looks at him and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you now," and he's like, "No, you're not," and he's like, "Really?" and he just slashes open his gut with the knife. <laughs> And just souls start spilling out in this, like, sea of blood. Meanwhile, back to Annie again, she finds this, uh, and I quote, uh, virgin, satanic, emo gamer guy or some shit. Like, <laughs> and she was like, yep, you're definitely a virgin. He has acne and he has a peanut allergy, so he must be. <laughs> which is like kind of funny, but also kind of like, huh, really? Like this is kind of outdated, but the fact that it is so stereotypical is kind of funny. She, she cuts his hand, says the incantation, opens the door. And now it's basically up to Ash to find her parents, which he does, uh, whilst being attacked by Rabisu, who wants to get all the souls back in and, in this whole whirlwind, in this whole clusterfuck of a comic book finale, uh, they eventually are sucked back out into reality, pretty much. Uh, Annie and and uh, Ash are. And they're wielding the Kandarian dagger, which is like glowing blue from all the energy it's obtained at this point. And basically, if Annie were to uh, essentially free... The, her parents' souls from the dominion of hell and the, and the Kandarian dagger, she would also be freeing the, the, the evil that was within the dagger and all the souls that were stuck in there from evil. So that's essentially there was a price to pay and that there would be more to come. And that more to come would be in the sequel comic to that um, called The Cradle of the Damned, which I'll be reading and discussing on tomorrow's episode of the podcast. One thing that I really, I really enjoyed this comic that, that being said, um, I, th I find it fun that they did this comic in a way where you're the characters and the story while being 
large scale to a degree, like having to deal with massive demons and monsters and shit, uh, is also small scale enough to not have a massive major impact on the characters or the story at large, you know? Like, I feel like these comics can fit nice and neatly in the background of the Evil Dead world, you know? It doesn't directly contradict anything that comes later. It doesn't explicitly try to connect itself to any of the, like, films or series or anything. It's just, like, its own thing, and it fits, you know? So I think tomorrow I'm going to finish, I'm going to start and finish, I might start Cradle of Damned after I finish this podcast and then see, and then like to see if I could finish it tomorrow, uh, either before or after I watch Evil Dead 2. But yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say about this comic book. I do find it interesting that the comic books are written almost with like the, uh, the Army of Darkness version of Ash, but he looks like the Evil Dead 2 version of Ash. And I find that fun. I also think that this version of Ash without a soul and with his his loyalty to Annie is is very in a very interesting characterization. I don't know how how necessarily uh like approved or anything, or I don't know how official or unofficial, I don't know what the connection necessarily is within with with these comics to the movies like they're clearly unofficial and technically quote unquote not canon or anything you know but like how did the licensing rights and all that shit like how did that go about you know what i mean oh excuse me i'm sorry i apologize but but yeah like it's interesting in that way I also find it interesting that the creators of this comic also decided to keep it as small scale and reserved as it is while also making it like its own fun comic book. Like if a comic book is really inconsequential or or the story really doesn't have any impact, it's not fun to read. But the characters are are clearly heavily impacted by it and the, the way they characterize Annie especially and the way it's her, it's her story essentially because this Ash is is a demon pretty much, you know, he's a soulless husk. So Annie is the real human character we latch to. And I think Ash is just there so that they can have Ash in their Evil Dead 2 comics, you know, it would be weird if there was no Ash in these. So I, I am very interested and in looking forward to continuing the story of this. Uh, this is hard to pronounce. I have to like look at it before I say it out loud. This simulacrum, 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 that's a stupid-ass word, and I hate that word. Why do they pick that word? Is that from something? That's not from anything. Simulacrum. I don't know. I'm very interested to see <laughs> what happens between these two characters and how they evolve and change over time. This is kind of ending short. I kind of feel bad. I feel like I should fill the the remaining five or so minutes left with something. But I don't really have anything else to say. This is a fairly short miniseries, I guess. I don't really have anything else to say besides maybe if you liked what you're listening to, <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I post content and memes and stuff like that. At DCR Films. 
And if you want to see some stuff that I find funny or interesting, I like to share that stuff over on Twitter, at Dan Reguino. And if you want to see if we're on your podcasting app of choice, one, that would be weird, because you're listening to this part, right? Which means that you're already on your podcasting app of choice. But if maybe you're not listening on your podcasting app of choice, you can head over to anchor.fm slash deadbydanny, where you can find all that you need about this podcast, all the links to external websites and other platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're on it, probably. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, uh, that's been it for Dead by Danny. I love your faces, and I would really appreciate it if you would tell your friends to come get some and swallow this podcast. I'll see you tomorrow.